Um, I'm going to apologise firstly. Um, in 2018, I did um, a night service testimony, and when Phil told me to look back at the video, I spent the whole time going like this. And I got motion sickness from watching myself, so I'm going to try and ground my feet today. Because it was really annoying. <laughs> um, I thought that I would start off with five funny facts about me. Little icebreakers, so you can have a little bit of a laugh at me. Uh, when I was younger, somewhere between seven and eight, I accidentally set my sister's hair on fire. <laughs> yeah, it was an accident. As a teenager, I used to turn my Brooke Fraser CD up loud and sing every song at the top of my lungs, imagining that I was actually her and I was singing at my own concert. It. Um, my whole family could actually hear me, so it was quite embarrassing. <laughs> when I was four, my auntie gave me a bowl cut and I looked like my brother's twin. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I love Korean TV. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Netflix and chill. Um, when I was a kid, I used to follow the silly voice in my head that told me to do something. Um, I thought it would be funny, but it was actually quite dumb. Um, and my granddad actually always wore the brunt of those rash decisions. Um, like the time I thought it would be hilarious to run at him full speed and ram him from behind with the trolley in the grocery store. Hilarious now, I laughed looking back yesterday. Um, not so much then, definitely not for him. Or the time on my 50-50 motorbike that I decided to create my own circuit of various obstacles. And one of them was to drive through um, an old metal swing. And they used to have metal frames that were the whole way around. Um, and the swing was attached by like metal bars, basically, so if you swung it up, it would stick, and I hooned through the middle of it, hit the front bar, and the swing came swinging down and cracked the whole front guard of the motorbike. Um, Grenad was fuming, uh, and I was banned from the bike for the rest of the weekend. <laughs> so that's my little icebreaker, some funny little stories about me, but you thought I was innocent. <laughs> Lola is a firecracker that takes after me, actually. She would do those things. I don't know who's here she'd sit on fire, though. Um, so I, th I think I'm actually going to start just by praying quickly because I am quite nervous. Um, so, Lord, I just thank you that through testimony we have a greater revelation of your goodness. Father, and through each revelation we get to build faith by hearing the stories of journeys that others have walked with you. Lord, I thank you so much that you know the people my testimony will resonate with. And I ask that right now you would prepare hearts. Lord, that you would start to break down those fortresses that have been built up around hearts, the masks that you have put on. Lord, speak to fear, speak to hurt, and speak to anxiety this morning, and begin to refresh us in the only way that you can pray that we would have a deeper revelation of the goodness of worship and praise, remembering that when you hear that from us, you hear a war cry of faith. Amen. Um, so those stories were quite contradicting, really, to what my actual childhood was like. Incredible moments intertwined with horrible realities. I'm actually going to get the tissues. <laughs> I did not cry when I was practicing this. Maybe I need to walk. 
But we need to be one of those, like, like Phil, he's always like this. And whoever's on the camera is like, chung, 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 chung. <laughs> um, I look at the incredible moments, though, as God's pockets of love uh, through some really dark times. I'm not going too much into it, but um, in my childhood, I learned how to put on a mask to cover up my true feelings. It was my reaction to the traumas that I'd experienced throughout my formative years. My parents separated. I was abandoned by my mother. Physical abuse I suffered at the hands of people my dad had entrusted me to. In and out of long or short-term stays with various family members, no stability. An attack on our home by gang members. We were lucky to escape with our lives that night. Seeing and learning a lot of things that no child ever should. Lots of different mums. The list goes on. But my, my escape from reality became a bit of a lifeline for me. Whenever bad things happened or the triggered memories would pop up and become too hard, I would hide in my room with a book and a cup of tea and just lose myself, remembering that this is from zero to nine. When I would emerge from my fantasy land, my mask would be firmly in place and no one ever knew I was suffering. Masks are great because people rarely probe when you look fine and say, I'm fine. But God sees beyond our masks to the true state of our heart, of our mind, and the problems that are weighing so heavily on us that it begins to have a physical impact. Unfortunately, my mask began to have an impact on my faith and my revelation of God's goodness because I didn't allow myself to faithfully entrust all of me to him, because I didn't give him a chance to show me just how good he was, regardless of what my reality looked like. In 2019, four years after giving my life to God, I walked my first big journey through the valleys with him, and because of that journey, I'm really changed. Scott and I had a very rocky start to 2019. We were tired and stressed out. We had a lot going on in our lives, leading worship, being parents, trying to find time to be present with each other. The rundown got to a point that, with Pastor Phil's guidance and blessing, we decided to take a back seat in our serving. We had major conflicts in close relationships. We lost Scott's brother to motor neuron disease. We were moving to Christchurch because God asked us to, and then we weren't. We no longer knew where we fit in. We felt abandoned and lost. We received more shocking news that the woman who spent some years raising me as her own when my own mother had left was terminally ill and had only months to live. Honestly, it felt too much. I felt beaten down. The mask was securely intact. Unfortunately, bitterness was seeping out of me. It's a pretty sure sign of what's actually going on under the surface. Hurt had been firmly rooted in my heart and my mind was constantly berated by thoughts of, righteous punishment for those that had hurt me. The breakthrough came when my beautiful mentor Marge encouraged me to take the mask off. Her exact words to me are as follows. Acknowledge your hurts. Actually, she's going to kill me if she says this. I'm going to do it in her voice because you know Marge. She's a powerful Scottish lady. Acknowledge your hurts, confusion and pain to Jesus. Do not hold back. He knows every part of you anyway. He really wants to hear you say it. This is called the first step, and speaking it out acknowledges the presence. When you do this, God, ask God to help you describe how you feel about it. She would actually say it exactly like that. So I took Marge's advice. I took off the mask, and I gave all of me 
that I was holding back to God. I left nothing untouched. Everything that hurt me, every betrayal I felt, how I had felt towards God at that time, how unfair it all was, I asked God to show me the hurts that were in my heart that I needed to give over to him. I cried and laid it all out, all out for almost an hour. God allowed me to get all of that out. He told me he knew. He was there with me through it all. He graciously showed me my own faults in some of the circumstances we were in and led me to repent of the hurt I had caused others. He reminded me that it is he who opens our eyes and reveals himself to us. God said to me, in this moment, I chose you. It was time to leave the mask behind. Do you trust me, Nikita? Yes, God. <clears throat> 2 Chronicles 20 became my encouragement for how I needed to continue in walking this journey. It's a piece of scripture that I love. I'm not going to read it. It's really long. Um, in the face of the battle, instead of falling to my old habits and putting a mask on and hiding myself, I went to my prayer closet and I began to remind God of who he is, just as King Jehoshaphat did. I would honestly scream, you are El Shaddai, God Almighty. You are El Roy, the God who sees me. You are Jehovah Shalom, my peace. I began to remind God of his promises to me that he was peace when I felt like I was in turmoil, that he was mighty enough and faithful to deliver me from the schemes of the enemy in whatever way deliverance looked like to him. This is totally different from demanding God to deliver me how I expect him to. I reminded him of the promise that he had made over the relationships that were hanging by a thread. I began to petition him for reconciliation, but more than that, I petitioned God to strengthen them. I began to praise him, especially when it felt like the enemy had me completely surrounded. And when I ran out of words, I would praise him in tongues, or I would just simply declare, I love you. God hears faith when we praise him in the midst of our battle. I learned to keep my eyes fixed completely on God and only on God. He is faithful to his promises. I saw and I'm still seeing the fulfillment of those prayers that I prayed. Derek Prince writes in his book, Secrets of a Prayer Warrior, the basis of successful praying is knowing that we are praying according to the will of God. The will of God is revealed primarily in the Bible. Thus, when we hear what God has to say, we grow in faith that our requests will be answered. John 12, 27 to 28, Jesus predicts his death on the cross and says, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to the hour. Father, glorify your name. In the face of torture, humiliation, and death, Jesus showed me how to approach my own much lesser struggles. Father, glorify your name. Through the lowest valleys of life and the sometimes hard and confusing decisions, I get to choose to declare this too. Father, glorify your name. It has taken a lot of pressure, heartache, and bitterness off myself when I can place my struggles in God's hands and ask him to outwork his will through it. I see it as another level of surrender. I still struggle a little with that lost feeling, not quite knowing where my place is anymore. But when that voice starts to niggle, I turn my eyes to God and I pray this simple prayer. God, your will be done in my life. Would you give me something today to faithfully steward according to your will? And he is always faithful to answer that prayer. I can't expect God's will just to drop in my lap. I have to put in the effort to know him, to know more of him, spend time with him through prayer, my Bible, and worship. 
As I reflect on 2019, I see God woven all throughout my journey. I walked through the refining fire, but God was always gracious. He was always there with me. He taught me far more in that season than I can even share here this morning, to be honest. If you're currently in the depths of your own valley and you feel like you can't quite catch a breath from the onslaught, turn your eyes to God and praise him. Worship his goodness, his faithfulness to deliver you according to his will. Remind him of his very names that define who he is. He is mighty God, peace, your banner, your provider. Remind him of the promises that he has spoken of your life. Remind him of your situation and your season. Oh, remind your situation and your season of who your God is. The end. All right, next victim. Just jokes.